Hello, church family. Uh, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 12. Uh, and then we're going to look through the whole chapter again, a little bit longer portion. Um, if you are just familiar with church history, you'll know that there are many people who have claimed to be greater than Christ or uh, attempt to try to destroy Christianity. But you know that uh, even though these threats can be great at times in the past, uh, they will never be complete because we know that Christ is the one who builds the church. And there's always going to be people that believe that they are greater and uh, or more powerful than God and will try to snuff out Christianity. Uh, but what will end up always happening is that they will die before, uh, well, they'll never succeed and they'll die before they'll ever see that come to pass. Not that they will or even have the possibility to because we know what scripture has to say about that. Uh, but yet it is fascinating that there are those that will still try to do that. And we see that here in chapter 12 of Acts with Herod. Herod is um, going to try, just like even Saul before, um, try to destroy the Christians and either God will intervene or take their life um, uh, in the end the church will be protected because God is one who builds this church. Here's a little uh, running start to where we are at this point. Chapter 11, uh, Peter uh, was uh, reporting to the, the church that uh, how he was uh, has a vision by the Lord to uh, uh, with the food um, from the Lord saying that you can eat whatever you want and Peter didn't understand why uh, until he encountered different men from Cornelius and it was through that uh, he saw God's providence in bringing about the means for which he could share the gospel with Gentiles. And chapter 11 is really just about, chapter 10 and 11 is just that, it's just how the uh, Gentile uh, received the gospel and, uh, and it starts spreading all over. So it's not just this uh, Jewish sect anymore, uh, but it is something that is going throughout all of the rest of the world. And this is really the, the last chapter where there's a focus on Peter. Um, after this chapter, starting from chapter 13, the attention will be focused on Paul's ministry. Uh, so this is really a, a midway point, or we're reaching the midway point. Uh, and again, this is all fulfilling what ch Acts chapter 1 had to say when Jesus said that, um, in chapter, one, chapter 1 verse 8 said that, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. So we're at the Judea-Samaria section right now, and then eventually it'll go to the ends of the earth. So, but uh, as it goes, it, it isn't without any uh, problems and conflict, but we see that there's nothing that can thwart God's plan in reaching the nations with the gospel. So we're going to see that in chapter 12. Verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king had laid some of who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And this Herod here in chapter 12, verse 1, he is the grandson of Herod the Great. Uh, he was not particularly wise in terms of uh, you know, making some political moves, and he was in prison for a while. Uh, and when he was released, a way for him to gain favor with people in Rome and even try to gain. Um, I guess, uh, reputation or good standing with the Jews is to attack the Christians. So he, uh, Herod the king at this point, is that's what he's doing. He 
Uh, and this is something interesting that Herod's, I mean, this is a different Herod from when Jesus was around, but there's just this tendency that Herod's have a tendency to, um, diso to try to uh, uh, go against the Lord, to ch challenge God. And it seems like the, all the Herod's are in a lot of ways just an enemy of God. So um, that's just a literary thing that I thought was interesting, um, that the Herod's of the scriptures are always against the Lord and they will always die before the church will ever reach that point. So Herod here, he's here trying to uh, intimidate and attack the church, and he does really a, 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 a major blow to the church by taking out uh, one of the leaders, verse 2, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Now, this uh, method of putting the, someone to death with a sword is usually used by the Jews uh, to take those uh, to kill those that they believe are, are heretics or that they believe in some sort of false gods. So the Jews view James as worshiping a false god. Uh, they don't see Jesus as a savior, they don't see Jesus as a messiah. And, uh, you know, they herited them a favor by taking out James here. And this is James, a brother of John. If you remember in the Gospels, uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 21, and and I'm oh, sorry, Matthew chapter four, verse twenty, and Mark chapter ten, verse thirty-nine. This is where the you know James and his brother, were, his mom was asking Jesus, "Hey, can my son uh, sit on your? Can both my sons sit on your right hand, one on your left and one on your right hand, on the right side?" And uh, Jesus said that he was. They were actually going to. Um, it's not his call, uh, but they are going to suffer the same thing that Jesus has, uh, Jesus is going through. And this is really just a fulfillment. <laughs> See, this is just really a fulfillment of that prophecy here. Um, all the way back from the gospel times, uh, 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 Jesus told them that they're going to suffer persecution, just like how he was going to get killed for obeying the Lord. Verse 3, when he saw it, it pleased the Jews. Uh, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out before the people. So the Jews uh, would gather during this time, and this is why uh, he, you know, this was almost Passover, so there, nothing was supposed to happen, but uh, Herod wanted to keep uh, Peter here uh, with them and wait until, you know, because all the Jews are going to gather, and okay, I'm going to kill him in front of all the, all the Jews, and then they're going to love me even more. This is all a political play here uh, to try to get uh, points from the Jews. Verse 5, so Peter kept, was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And that's very fascinating that um, that's the first response of the church. Uh, their, their response wasn't to try to uh, make some sort of petition uh, with a man or, or even trying to revolt or file a complaint or do any sort of appeal. The first thing they did was just um, prayerfully, it says here fervently, so they're praying to the Lord, fervently. This word fervently here is this this means being stretched out, uh, being stretched intensively. Um, so they're being stretched by the Lord in their prayer. They're praying as hard as they can and praying that whatever happens, whether it's uh, Peter's uh, holds to the hold to the faith or that Peter um, will be spared. And it doesn't say exactly which one it is, but I would imagine it's probably one of the two. Um, so that's what they did. They prayed that Peter would be the be will have the strength to continue on until the death. Or that he, um, or that the, um, or that the Lord will somehow deliver them, and we'll see which one he answers in this in this chapter. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and guards 
in front of the door were watching over the prison. Uh, so it's fascinating here again, Peter here is sleeping and uh, it's not like when Jesus was there in the garden where he was like so anxious and um, you know, he's so tired and stressed out that they're sleeping because that's what the original apostles did in the time of Jesus. But I think here, Peter is just genuinely not worried. There, he wasn't afraid of what's going to happen to him um, because he knew uh, that um, that he's he's going to have to suffer for the name of Christ. So he's expecting this. He's not worried at all. And he has great security in the Lord in that way. So he just found sleeping, and there it says there's like uh, four squats in verse four. That's like sixteen soldiers just watching this one guy, and they're chained to them. So this is like maximum security kind of thing. Verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side, meaning that Peter was probably um, fast and, and had a very deep sleep. He's poking him, uh, and, and Peter woke up saying, <coughs> and the angel saying, <coughs> Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. So this was some supernatural act. The angels opened the chains, and he's able to, he's free. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and continued to follow. He did not know that what was being done by this angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So basically, he 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 was probably not fully awake yet. And it's understandable when we wake up in the morning. Sometimes we don't know uh, what's going on, what's happening. That's what Peter's going through. He he doesn't know if what he's seeing is just a dream that he's thinking about, a vision, or or, re, or real. But he's just okay. We'll just go with this and see what happens. Uh, verse 10, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate and that uh, iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself, and they went out and went along one street. Immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, I mean, he finally woke up. He said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Uh, and the first thing that uh, Peter does is that uh, he goes to the church, and when he realized this, verse 12, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also Mark, where, the, where many were gathered together and were praying. So why did he go back? Uh, why did he go back to the church, right? Like, why doesn't Peter just run away? He has a uh, chance to escape. Why doesn't he do it? I think one of the reasons is that he wants to go and just share the, to the church that God is in control, and, and the second is that their prayers are answered. Um, one of the things that we do as a church here is that we like to hear missionary reports, and that's really to, to show us the same thing too, that God is in control and that our prayers for them in terms of the Lord working in those people's lives and the Lord working in, um, uh, in you know, having the gospel re uh, reach to more places, uh, that's where we um, want and we hear those reports and it's encouraging to those because we praying, we're praying for them. We see God answering the prayer. I think that's why Peter went back. Verse 13, And uh, when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Rhoda is actually another name, say Rose. Um, verse 14, When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had that type of experience where you um, were just so excited that you just want to tell someone. Um, that's what's going on here. And Peter just left outside in the cold with this lady going in and telling everyone, like, hey, uh, Peter's at the gate. Um, again, poor Peter, he's standing out there, and, uh, yeah, the angel wasn't going to open the door for him, and neither did Rhoda. So he's just kind of standing there, um, knocking and telling people, or trying to make him know, make the people inside the house know that he's actually out there. Verse 15, But they said to him, You are out of your mind. 
but she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying it is his angel. So this again shows you that even though they're praying, they didn't actually have faith. There's a weakness in their faith here. Uh, they're praying uh, probably that uh, that Peter uh, was. Uh, they were probably praying that Peter will endure, as opposed to Peter escaping. Because again, looking at how how tight the security was, they would have very little hope in thinking that Peter's going to get out of it. So what they were really praying for was that Peter would at least endure. And when they saw him, it was like, oh, that's not possible. You're out of your mind. Um, and they even said that it's his angel. And what does that mean? Does it mean that like, everyone have a guardian angel? Well, in the Jewish mind, they actually do believe in a guardian angel. And sometimes these guardian angels, according to Jewish thought, is that they will manifest the person that they're trying to protect. So they said that this is not Peter, this is angel, this is Peter's angel. The angel, of course, uh, if it was his angel, why doesn't he protect them? Uh, but that's, you know, that's like a, again, a, a lack of clarity in terms of their understanding of, of what God expects. And just a, a low view of, not really low view, but they just struggled in their faith to see that the Lord's able to do supernatural things and things that they were not expecting. Verse 16, but Peter continued knocking and when he had opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, meaning he's like trying to get the hush, like, you know, when you see a kid screaming and you go, shh, that's like that, that's what they're, they're trying to do. He described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, report these things to James and the brethren, then he left and went to another place. Uh, again, this is just a ministry report here, he's trying to get them to be encouraged and explain what to them what happened. And in verse 18, now when the day came, there were no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. So they were um, unsure of what happened. They were obviously afraid because you know, if, they, if they didn't do their job, they would get killed. So uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Verse 19, when Herod had searched for him and had I found him, he examined the guards in order that they had they be led away to execution. And that, yeah, exactly. So that's what happened. Uh, then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. So these soldiers uh, were killed. And um, we'll see later when, later. So Peter took made the decision of leaving, and later on we'll see where Paul, he makes the decision of staying. Uh, and you can debate whether or not which one is right, but in this particular instance, I think it's to show you that there are certain things that you can do, the Christian liberties, like one Christian, uh, well actually in this case the angel told them to go, and the other one was like a supernatural act the earthquake. But in, in both cases, God is sovereign over all circumstances. And however you decide what seemingly one act with two different responses, God will still use those decisions. And ultimately, who we trust is not in the person or the situation, but we trust that God will use whatever decisions made in our human decisions, um, and, how that, and, and God can use it in a way that would glorify Him. Now, continuing on with the, the story, verse 20. Now, He was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, um, and with and with one accord they came to him and having won over Blastus the king of Chamberlain they were asking for peace because their country was was fed by the king's country uh, so Herod basically he went there to try to just celebrate um, he he wanted to just um, yeah just had a little party for what's going on and on an appointed verse twenty one and on an appointed day Herod had put on his royal apparel, took a seat on the rostrum, uh, that's like a it's called a or in other words like a judgment seat, and began delivering an address to them. And people kept crying out the voice of God and not of man. So they attributed him as some sort of prophet. 
verse 23, and immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and died. Uh, according to Josephus, which is a, really the first church historian, he said that he he said that Herod endured terrible pains for five days before he died. Um, so whatever whatever happened to him, uh, I think uh, Luke here understands that it was God's way of uh, killing uh, Herod for trying to take glory from him. And this is not new. Um, God's glory will never be robbed. He's done it before in the book of Daniel. He's done it before in other places. And, um, and in a lot of ways, it can ha even happen in today's time. Uh, those who claim to want uh, to attack the Lord, the Lord will sometimes stun, stunt them or cause them not to advance. And in the end, all of these false teachers, everyone that's against God, will eventually meet their maker. They will all die one day. Verse 24, but the Lord, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. So there's a contrast here that uh, when the people dies, uh, God's word is still spreading. It doesn't matter how many people want to stop it. It doesn't matter how many people think that they can, they're powerful and so overthrow. It doesn't even matter in our day and age with things like science that claim to try to contradict scripture. Just understand too, science is it's an idea where you're constantly questioning things and changing things. So what you believe is science now will not be the same several years from now. Uh, but the gospel will always be the same. And the gospel is the thing that we have hope in. The gospel is the only one that can change have uh, change people's lives. Uh, and God's word will always continue to multiply as long as there are faithful people uh, that will go and tell other people about our Lord Jesus Christ. First verse 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. So the story really ends with um, uh, them delivering relief uh, to the churches. It's kind of like going back to chapter 11, verse 30, um, during that famine. This is kind of like a, like a, this whole story is really like an interlude, or it kind of almost comes uh, like, like parallel to what happened in chapter 11. But all these events, everything from Herod trying to kill Peter and failing, God releasing Peter, and Herod trying to get glory for himself and being killed for it, the thing that we learn is that God is powerful. And that God is is the God, this God, the God that we worship. There's no need to fear. Well, some of us are maybe in prison for our faith. Other of us might be delivered from persecution. But no matter what happens, God is uh, is still in control, and the word of God will continue to spread. And in our day and age, um, we're at the stage where we're not at like our persecution isn't as extreme, but it may come soon. But until then, and and through our the potential threat that is to come, we want to just continue telling people about Jesus, to be faithful in the life that we have and be mindful of our neighbors and try to develop a relationship with our coworkers and whoever may be, um, just so that we can uh, share the gospel with them. Uh, be bold, brothers and sisters, uh, to go and tell people and, and about Christ and know that if people persecute us for our faith, that God is ultimately watching over us. And uh, the, Lord, the word of the Lord will continue to grow and multiply with or without us. So I pray that this is, again, another opportunity for us to evaluate our own life so that we can be mindful and hope that we can be uh, better evangelists as we look through the book of Acts. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.